You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Well, welcome to our another show of Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I am your host, Dr. Jeff Werber. We're going to be together for the next 30 minutes. Hopefully, I will be able to answer your questions, but you need to call me. You need to call me at 1-877-385-8882. Here we are, and I'm live at PetLifeRadio.com on Let's Talk Pets. So, um, also, you can send me an email. So, if you're really afraid to call me or embarrassed to call, and I don't know why, because people are doing it, you can reach me at Dr. Jeff. That's drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com. So, you know, we always like to, first of all, thank our sponsors, and uh, those are ProSense Pet Products. And ProSense are products exclusively developed by the vet, but for you and available to you, the pet owner, pet parent, whatever you want to call yourself at the uh, mass market level. That means Target. That means Walmart and Walgreens. And you can find phenomenal products to help your pets stay healthy. And also Walmart who is a big partner of ProSense. And um, you can go online and look for some money-saving coupons on ProSense pet products, and you can find them on walmart.com. So I'm um, hoping everyone's having a, a good start to summer here. I understand parts of the uh, U.S. are not enjoying the same nice weather that we are having here in Southern California. However, today is a little overcast, which I think is good for the dogs. You know, it's funny. We During this weather, we like kind of like when it's kind of warm and, and hot. And uh, some of our pets, however, want some relief. And uh, especially they're spending some time outdoors and mom or dad are forgetting to give them plenty of shade and plenty of water. So on an overcast day, uh, they kind of do okay. So um, anyway, as always, we we do get some email questions through the week. So uh, while those of you listening to us right now at Pet Life Radio are getting the courage, the nerve to give us a call, we are going to go over some of the email questions I've received. This is coming from Shelly. Orange County, Florida says, I uh, love the show. I have a millions of questions to ask, but I thought I'd just ask one question. I'll tell you, you know, you can ask the millions. That's okay. I've heard that using ketamine or halothene gas to put your pet to sleep, and I'm sure she meant under anesthesia, everybody, is outdated. There are newer and safer things to use. Can you tell me what they are? Well, yeah, you know, that's interesting. I would agree. I no longer use halothene, but, you know, I used to work with a board-certified veterinary surgeon who used to use this, you know, years and years ago, and as isoflurane was sort of the new anesthetic agent. Now, it is also kind of being replaced often by something called sevoflurane. But as halothane was being less and less and the isoflurane was used, being used more and more, I noticed he still liked to use the, the halothane. And he says something very interesting. He says, I've been using halothane for, you know, whatever it was, 15 years. And he felt so comfortable knowing how to monitor it, knowing how to turn it up, turn it down, to read the signs, that he wasn't really ready yet to start something new. And I, and I kind of I get it. And now that I am that way with isoflurane, and though I have SIVO, and there are a lot of cases we'll use SIVO because I think SIVO is, is excellent, there are times that I will just like the isoflurane because I'm so comfortable with it. As far as ketamine, yes, we still use that often in combination with, say, Valium, sometimes you know, other pain medications. We call it Ketval, and that is merely used as an induction agent. Now, there's something called Propofol. Propofol is very commonly used. That got very, very famous with the whole Michael Jackson thing and, uh, and using Propofol, but Propofol is very also a very effective induction agent, and by that, it means that you give an injection 
which will sedate the dog, the cat, enough to be able to introduce the endotracheal tube. That is the tube that was placed inside the trachea to allow us then to hook up to the anesthetic gas with oxygen. So the cat valve is still very commonly used as an anesthetic induction agent, as is propofol, and there's some other things that are used as well. Now, interestingly, I have, my daughter had, uh, had to have a surgery a while back, and um, this is you know, many years ago when she was eight. She's now 30. So, and the, the anesthesiologist was using halothane. And I thought, I said, that's interesting because I thought now everybody's switched to the, the isoflurane. And she said, well, really, when you deal with children and you don't want them to have that very fast down and that very fast up, the halothane was smoother and she preferred it to the newer, then newer isoflurane. So what it boils down to is you use what you're comfortable, you use what's safe. Uh, you know, I just, I'm very comfortable with isoflurane. And for those very old animals or animals with I know have uh, liver problems or heart problems, I'm going to choose isoflurane. But ketamine is, is still often used. Anyway, Shelly, I thank you for that one of your million questions. And, you know, feel free to give us a call and we can, you can ask us a few more of your million. Uh, that would be just great. I also have an email from Stephanie in Yorba Linda, California, and um, she says she's walking like she's drunk. Her veterinarian says it may be a vestibular infection or ear infection, and it's a common problem. You know, and uh, she also gets these fits where she says where her eyes seem to flick back and forth. Well, definitely we're dealing with something vestibular. The eyes flickering back and forth, we call that nystagmus. And when you have these dogs that will truly very acutely, very suddenly, seem to be walking in circles, sometimes have a difficult time standing without falling over to one side. Their head is tilted to one side. And when you look at them, you actually see the eyes. And I often tell people to do this when they call me in a panic. And their dog can't get up. They're, they fear of some sort of weird seizure. And what they're describing to me is more of a vestibular problem. And I'll say to them, I say, do me a favor. While you're on the phone with me, I want you to grab your dog by the jowls and look him straight in the eye and tell me, what are his eyes doing? And sure enough, they'll say it. They're, they're rocking back and forth. They're going really fast to one side and then back slowly to the other side and then fast and slow and fast and slow. And we call that nystagmus. And that is usually some sort of vestibular problem. We call it idiopathic vestibular disease. And in a sense, the dog's world is totally spinning. The equilibrium, the balance and equilibrium, this is done you know, by, by the canals in the middle ear, are totally out of whack. They're inflamed. Something's not right. So this poor thing cannot right his world. He can't get the balance. And even though he is balanced, and even though the world is not spinning, in his poor little brain, because of the middle ear inflammation, it's a vestibular upset. He cannot stand still. So uh, it's not uncommon. We see it. Dogs that are prone to it, it might happen again. It's those things that uh, can happen more than uh, once. In fact, when I was uh, growing up, we had an old German Shepherd. She was a white Shepherd. Her name was Sheba. And when I, I'd say by the time she was 11, she started having these episodes of this, uh, the idiopathic vestibular disease episodes. You know, she would recover. It's not that bad. You can use even a, a medication you can use that seems to help them a little bit is meclizine. It's sold over the counter, the name of Bonine, or I might say travel sickness medication, and that does help people with vertigo, with that imbalance that where the world is spinning, the uneasiness, if you will, and um, it's like a dizziness. So uh, anyway, Sheba would get well, and she'd be 100%. 
And then a few months later, she'd have another episode. And then she was 100%. Then when we noticed that she would have more and more episodes, even though she was fine, and even though she was walking a straight line and she did not appear drunk, she would have passed a test if she was by the cops, right? But her head, she ended up with a residual head tilt, which means that for the rest of her life, and she lived over 15, which was amazing for a shepherd, she still always had her, her head cocked to one side. And um, for her, that was normal. So her normal became when her head was tilted a little bit to one side, and, uh, but she was fine. She was great. So you know, if any of you have had pets with this condition, it's called idiopathic vestibular disease. We call it IVD as opposed to the uh, intervertebral disc disease, IVDD. Then let us know. Send us a little note. Send me a note to drjeff at petliferadio.com. Or you could uh, give us a call here at 877-385-8882. And kind of let us know your story and let us know how long it lasted. Let us know what you did for treatment. Uh, interestingly, there's some docs that do nothing. You know, no one's proven anything will help. I think that we treat symptomatically. Sometimes we'll put these dogs on a little bit of corticosteroids in case there is some inflammatory problem on board. So if it's safe to use steroids, I will. You know, no one, I, I wouldn't swear by it. I wouldn't say you have to. It's one of those things where nobody knows how to specifically treat it. So uh, let's see what happened to me. I had a, an interesting case this week. I sent this poor dog home. This is a dog and this is, sometimes it tells you that we can't always tell the extent of an injury, a dog bite, when we see these dogs come in. This was a little Pomeranian on the older side, probably about nine, that was attacked by large dogs. And looking at the body of this dog, there were no obvious tears or bite wounds or anything of depth. There was no bleeding even. But this dog was clearly, clearly in distress. Now, could it have been fear, shock? Absolutely. But it was having a problem. So it turns out that this poor dog, I'm going to make a long detailed story short, this poor dog had its trachea torn. So what was happening is every time he was breathing, some of the air coming down his trachea, instead of all going down into his lung field, was leaking out into what we call his sub-Q space in and around his neck, his entire back. We took an x-ray, which is so fascinating, and he had as much air inside his chest and body wall, as he did outside. In other words, his whole outside, from the skin to the body wall, was literally full of air. And when I made a little hole on the side of the skin and pushed it out, it sounded like you're letting air out of a a raft in a pool. And all the air came out. It was amazing. And unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do about this. Tracheal surgery is very challenging, often disastrous. And the um, we so we put a body wrap on him. We had to, we kept the air drained so we could suck air out. And it's been four days now, and he is almost healed. It's just fascinating. If not, I told the owner we would have to get the poor guy over to a boarded uh, a veterinary surgeon and see if he can do something to patch that trachea up. But fortunately, what it seems like it was probably just a small tear, and um, the, he's healing on his own, which is uh, rather fantastic. So. Our best wishes. His name is Skipper. So I want all the good thoughts to go out to a little Skipper and uh, make sure uh, that he continues on his healing trend. So anyway, it's time, of course, to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products, veterinary quality products available to you, the consumer, at your local mass retailers. And I'm talking, you don't have to go to, to a fancy pet store. You can go to your local Target or your Walgreens or your Walmart 
Look for specials at walmart.com, also one of our co-sponsors, and uh, buy yourself some ProSense pet products for the health and well-being of your pets. So we're going to take a break now and go to our little advertising, and we will be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Dog Shelter Blues, the new novel by Mark Conkling. This hard-hitting story lights up the world of animal rescue with engaging characters and their pets, struggling with their own internal demons as they attempt to rescue innocent creatures that sometimes bring a mysterious transforming power to broken lives. Read the first chapter of Dog Shelter Blues free at dogshelterblues.com. Then come along a breathtaking journey that ends with an astonishing triumph of good over evil. Order your copy of Dog Shelter Blues today. Available at amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Well, welcome back to Let's Ask, Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff on Let's Talk Pets, PetLifeRadio.com. And, you know, he's been the commercial just coming out of the commercial break, uh, Arden Moore. And realized Arden was, uh, we had a good time last week. She joined us on the show and, and uh, you know, talking to Arden, especially when it comes to behavior issues. And, you know, we were talking about certain things of behaviors and mistakes that we make. And then we expect our pets to be perfect when a lot of the mistakes that are made are because of us. So, you know, one of the things I have been, uh, was just working with someone, one of my clients just got a new puppy. 
and we're talking about some of the mistakes that people make with their pets and puppies in training. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that we talked about was, you know, the paper training and the difficulty of getting the dog or the puppy to start using the outside when you've been training him in the house. And, you know, it, it brought up a very interesting point. And I tell people this, that the obviously dogs, we want them all to learn through positive reinforcement, positive reward. And when I use like a weebie pad or, or paper in the house, that is not really for the dog. That's just for us. That's just for ease of cleanup and, you know, to keep everything sounding. When a dog makes a mistake in the house, just ignore it. Just clean it up. And, and I put the paper down just for that reason. Unless you have a, a very small breed and you plan on wanting the dog to go in the house. Let's say you live in a, in a long, we call here in, in uh, the uh, Westwood area, we have the Wilshire Corridor. That's these all condo buildings. Or certainly if you live in a place like New York City or Chicago, and during the winter, you don't want to get out of bed or out of the house at 11 o'clock at night. So you have that little teeny you know, Chihuahua or the Palm or the Maltese, and, and you want him or her to go, uh, whether it's on a balcony or, or out in the kitchen. So then you will train them to go on those places. And when they do, you give a lot of positive reward. But otherwise, the key to get them to go outside is to take them outside. Take them outside frequently, as often as you can. And what I recommend even doing is because most puppies, of course, they feel secure in their den, and I'm a, I'm a fan of denning and crating, but they would prefer to be with you. Let's face it. If you're in the den and you're chilling in front of the TV or reading your, your favorite book and the puppy's inside in his crate, you know that puppy would rather be with you, right? Well, what I recommend is first taking that dog outside, taking the pup outside, and hopefully take care of some business, and you know what I mean. When he or she does, you give that major praise, that major reinforcement, then pick the little guy up, bring him or her inside with you, and let her chill with you. So what they'll learn is that, oh, I get it. For me to be with mom or dad, they want me to go to the bathroom outside. Now, this is a really, really funny story, and this has happened more than once, that Think about it for a second. What is the body position that a dog does when they eliminate? They squat down, right? The dog squats to eliminate and does, and you go bonkers. You go nuts. You call that, oh, my God, you're such a good boy. You're such a good girl. And hugs, hugs, kisses, you know, the whole bit. Well, what did the dog think? Did the dog think that the reward was because he actually eliminated, relieved himself? Was it because of that funny-looking squat that they did? So meanwhile, so what happens? I've heard this before. The dogs go outside. They just do a squat. Nothing comes out. And they get all these hugs and kisses. And they expect to come back inside and and get to spend time with you. So they just tell you they do learn. They're really smart little creatures. So anyway, once again, if you want them to ultimately learn to go outside, spend the time outside. Take them outside as often as you can. Give them that positive reinforcement, that positive reward. Let them come in, shoot you a little bit, and that's why you'll ultimately get them to use the outside and not the inside. Now, another thing, we talk about certain puppy behaviors we just get such a kick out of, okay? Because they're cute. They're really cute. For example, how many of us don't love when those little puppies jump up on your leg and they're wagging that tail and they want, you know, they want to give you some you know, good tongue and, and uh, they're licking your face and whatever? Well, what happens is if you are going to have a puppy mastiff or a puppy Great Dane and you allow that behavior, I mean, what is going to stop that behavior when that little puppy is now 150 pounds? So, you know, here you are, you don't want them to jump up, you don't want them to jump up on the kids, but you allowed it. All they're doing is what they were allowed to do. So 
make sure that when you have that dog who's jumping, who's gnawing on your finger because it's so cute when they're little teeny puppies, but if you don't want them to exercise, use that, you know, that same behavior when they're adult dogs and don't let them do it as a puppy. And one of the, you know, there are two ways to stop, and I always say, and people think I'm nuts, remember, you cannot roll up that newspaper and whack them because it's not in their own repertoire. They do not know what that means, but they will be a little head shy, and they see a magazine, just all you just lift up a paper, and they start shying away. You know that this poor guy at some point was smacked with a newspaper or a magazine. So what I recommend doing is typically these dogs are social. You get this little puppy. He probably was probably with his litter for six to eight to ten weeks. And so I always ask my new pet parents to employ behaviors that the puppy recognizes. And when and how dogs learn what's called bite inhibition is when they're playing with their litter mates. And all of a sudden, they bite one of their litter mates a little too hard. And what happens? The litter mate who received the bite will what? Scream. And now the dog who delivered the bite knows, whoops. I guess that was too hard. That's not playing because he didn't like that very much. So what I recommend is when you are playing with your puppies and they are biting a little too mouthy, what I do is recommend give a yell, a loud screech, a yell, okay? Just say scream, ouch! So now what's going to happen is the dog's going to stop, guaranteed. And he's going to look at you like, whoa. Then give him an appropriate toy in its place. Give him something that you want him to start chewing on. Obviously, something that's not going to scream ouch in return. And when you put it in his mouth, have him take a couple bites and then deliver your positive reward, positive reinforcement. And that's one way how they learn bite inhibition. If you have that very dominant alpha puppy who is not going to listen to that ouch, then you may have to play mom's role. And I always say, what would mom do if the puppies are playing and you know, they're mouthing and doing all this stuff with mom and all of a sudden bite mom a little too hard, mom's not going to scream out. No, mom's going to give a deep growl. And trust me, these puppies know what that means. And I've had dogs where I've, you know, very, very mouthy and I've delivered that deep growl in, in an exam room once. All I had to do was once. And for the rest of that puppy series, every time they come in to see me, this dog is so different with me than it is with mom and dad. They're not messing with me, and they know it. I'm, they're all over me. They're happy, but they will not put my finger in their mouth because they learned. And that's what sometimes takes is one good lesson. And, man, it is really effective. Another mistake people make, and I want to just uh, go over this one real quickly, and that is you know, you'll hear a million stories from experts and I, by experts, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. These are the employees of a pet store that are telling you what the best food is. So you come in with food that the breeder or the, the shelter was feeding or the rescue group, wherever you got your dog from, hopefully the rescue group or a shelter, and you want to change it because you don't want to feed that stuff. So you go into the pet shop, and they say right away, oh, my God, you can't feed that. That stuff's the worst. You need to feed this, and they give you a new food. Well, guess what? Your dog's going to end up, your puppy's going to have diarrhea because you can't switch foods that quick and expect it all to happen seamlessly. They are a creature of habit. Their intestinal tracts adjust. So what happens you need to do is you need to carefully switch food. And if, again, if you really want to switch diet, that's okay. I wouldn't listen to the pet shop. I'd call your veterinarian and make sure the veterinarian approves what you want to feed or maybe has some his or her own suggestions. But that's okay. But I think it's important to whatever you're going to do, do it slowly. You do it gradually over, it might be, you know, five to seven to 10 days. And by that, I mean, you're going to feed 80% of what was being fed and 20% of something new. Do that for like a day or two and then go to maybe 60, 40 and then 50, 50 and then 40, 60, 20, 80 and ultimately 100% of the new food. 
So make sure that you realize that that you can't quickly, you know, rapidly change diet just for the heck of it. You want to make sure you're changing to something that is good. Talk to your veterinarian. If you have a dog that's eating something and really likes it and has a nice shiny coat, seems to have lots of energy, has normal bowel movements, everything looks good, hey, don't be in such a rush to switch because every dog is different. Their intestinal tracts are It's like people. You know, you could, you could talk to a zillion people that, you know, how many times I've talked to someone that I, you know, like to eat something. Oh, God, I can't. It doesn't agree with me. Look at someone who might be lactose intolerant, someone who, who can't eat certain fish, whatever it is. Some people who just don't like to eat certain things. They don't like the taste. You know, try to get a kid to eat Brussels sprouts. It's not going to work. So, you know, what you need to do is look at the cues, look at the signs that your pet, your dog or cat are giving you. Cats like variety more than dogs, but what I recommend is if you're going to give a cat variety, try to stick with the same brand. That might be helpful because sometimes if you switch brands too soon or too frequently, again, they might have some intestinal problems. So um, anyway, if you have any questions about you know, things like that, and I already you know, set something up with uh, good old Arden Moore, that if we get a lot of behavior stuff, you guys want to send me some emails to Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com or give us a call. I'm sure I can twist Arden's arm and have her come in and we can discuss these behavior topics together because I always love having different perspectives when it comes to behavior issues. In fact, you'll probably learn, and many of you might have discovered this already, that Veterinarians don't get a lot of behavior stuff. Most of the behavior stuff that we get, real learning through practice. So often they're going to refer you to a behaviorist, to a trainer, to a, you know, now there's actually a specialty within veterinary medicine to become a board certified veterinary behaviorist. It's like kind of get like getting a PhD in behavior on top of your DVM. So it's something that, that we love to get differences of opinion. Um, it's sort of what makes and, – and understand there are a lot of techniques out there. and A technique that will work with one pet may not work with another. So it's always good to have uh, some different viewpoints. So once again, our half hour goes by so fast. I can easily talk for half hour. I can talk for an hour or, or even more, but I don't like to. I want to hear from you. So when you get the courage – 877-385-8882, or if you're already listening online, then just type in a little question. I'll get it to Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com, or you can just get on the little box. We'll, we'll see your questions live, but uh, get a hold of us. So once again, I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank ProSense Pet Products. I want to thank Walmart. I want you to go out and uh, support our sponsors. And... Um, Let's see. I will see you here next week at 1 o'clock Pacific Time Zone, 4 o'clock Eastern Time Zone, and everything appropriate in between here on Pet Life Radio on Let's Talk Pets. And you are with Dr. Jeff Werber. Ask the Vets on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.